Hello and welcome to the Drink In Geek Out Podcast. This is a show where we drink beer and geek out. Here we're listening to episode 158. This is the Prime Evil episode uh, with your host, Seth, and Dustin. All right, uh, normally we'd have a beer that we would specify what they're featuring, but we already went and had the beers, and we're just going to talk about our check-ins and everything like that. But before... Yeah, not offering carryouts at the... So today's episode is going to be about Primeval, but before we do that, there's a little bit of uh, Primeval-esque <laughs> uh, things in the world of Batman. I guess Primordial is probably the better example. Yeah. <laughs> Of what this is, but in the Bat Cave, there's actually a T Rex, a animatronic T Rex. We're not talking real T Rex here, but um, it's actually pretty interesting because uh, I didn't actually know about this until yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing I noticed that every time they show the Bat Cave, there's always a T Rex, a giant penny, and a huge Joker card. Oh, yeah. Like in most iterations, whenever they zoom in on the Batcave, you'll you'll see those three things. And right. I did not know. I mean, understandable where the Joker coin or Joker card came from, but the penny and the mm-hmm. T Rex, I had no idea what that was from. Yeah, the penny is actually from a uh, villain, uh, a coin hoarder, or <laughs> I forget the name of him. It's specific. like Coin or something like that. Yeah, and he, you know, is some dumb name, <laughs> and he went to prison, and he, he wanted to um, take it out on all the coppers yes. that did him wrong, and so you know, he's like some ph- uh, philanderer. I forget what the specific name is, uh, but he had the coin, and apparently in this warehouse of coins, Batman uh avoided a shot or he shot i don't know it was like more of like a han shot first mm-hmm. type of scenario that had a ricochet effect in the this warehouse that hit all these coins and chandeliers and there's this giant coin that it ended up hitting and made it fall down on top of this guy and it killed him in the comics very, right very uh, very salty so um, I'm not sure if it was more of a, we should probably not let anybody else get a hand on this coin or not, but he kept it yeah. probably as like a morbid, like keepsake. If I murdered him, remember man. the time he let someone die or something. Yeah. Uh, in the TV series though, two foot, two face is the one who has the coin and he ties Batman to it. Yeah. On like a giant flipping machine. Yeah. The flipping machine. Yeah. And he says, heads, you die, tails, you survive. Mm. And he uses the coin to break out of the shackles and he, you know, like defeats Two-Face and then he keeps it as himself. And uh, Poison Ivy says to Two-Face, hey, where does that coin go? And he's like, the bats kept it. (laughs) It's kind of like a keepsake or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is the T-Rex episode, primordial T-Rex. So a giant animatronic T-Rex or dinosaur kept in the Batcave as a trophy. It was a robot that Batman fought during the early adventure in the Murray Wilson Hearts theme park on Dinosaur Island. This theme park should be confused with the better known Dinosaur Island. All right. Cool. 
And I'm just looking at the DC database on this one. Originally, the mechanic dinosaur was stored along with other various items, kept as souvenirs in the bat cave, in a place called the trophy room. I don't know if you'll hear that, but this cat is rubbing its head against my microphone. <laughs> yeah, he, I see it on there. He does that. I don't know. Uh, so the trophy room, this was done, I think the trophy room was in the 50s of the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the earliest mention of a bat cave was like in a later comic book or like something or other. It it originated on one of the Batman serials yeah. from TV and then they brought it over to the comics later. Right. And so there's a lot of argument as to what was the yeah, first yeah. because they're like, well, it was here in the trophy room, but the trophy room had windows. <laughs> so obviously it wasn't in the bat cave because the yeah. bat cave is like hidden underground. Right. And so they're like, yeah, the, in the in the serial comics, it was called the Bats Cave, as in one word, mm-hmm. and then later comics like apostrophe S, yeah, the, the Bats Cave, yeah. Then it became the Pat Cave, I think, in um, uh, Batman number thirty-five or yeah. something. So it was originally the mechanical dinosaur was stored along with various items, kept as a souvenir in the Bats Case and Trophy Room. All right. Later on, the dinosaur became one of the main centerpieces in the Batcave, along with the giant penny and the Joker card. It's often used whenever there's an unwanted intrusion in the Batcave, and Batman needs to drive the intruder away. Mm-hmm. So they kind of use it as like a defense mechanism. Uh, then there's it goes on for a while as uh, you know different things. Uh, They're saying some villain broke in one time and used the or uh, Alfred used the dinosaur to scare him out or yeah. like, defeat the villain. And then there was another time where some villain got a hold of it, so they had to disem- disassemble it and or hide it from the villain. So it's played part in many Batman stories. I think the new 52 line of comics redid the story, but basically it's the same thing. It, they went to a dinosaur park and he had to fight a giant T-Rex animatronic. And then he ended up keeping it and storing it in the back cave mm-hmm. as a trophy. Trying to find uh, the uh, the original, see if I can find like the synopsis of Batman thirty five. Oh, Dinosaur Island. Yep, this was it. Uh, what's the name of this episode? All right, so it's Batman Volume One, episode, uh, comic number thirty five. It was published in June, nineteen forty six. All right, so the writers of this was Bill Finger, and the penciler was Bob Kane, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Dinosaur Island was Bill Finger, and the penciler was Paul Cooper of this one. All right, so Nine Lives has the Catwoman and Dinosaur Island were part of the same episode, I guess, uh, the book. So let's uh, keep going ahead because this one is talking about the Nine Lives. All right, so the uh, featured characters in the Dinosaur Island, uh, Batman and Robin, obviously. Antagonist was Stephen Chase. This was a single appearance. Other characters would be Murray Wilson Hart, the owner of said dinosaur park, and he spared no expense. <laughs> <laughs> the location was in Gotham. It wasn't on some remote island in Puerto Rico. And the items here will be the utility belt, which would be like a cameo, but the dinosaur, the T-Rex, would be the first appearance. So wealthy industrialist builds a theme park that, the, that he calls Dinosaur Island. The place is filled with functional robot replicas of dinosaurs and robotic cavemen. In order to test the accuracy of the prehistoric representation, the owner of the park asks Batman and Robin to be a part of a game in which they would spend 36 hours on the island 
and they had to survive the various dangers of the prehistoric age without any aid from any of their modern equipment, yeah, including the bat uh, vehicles or utility belt. Right. The dynamic duel accepted the challenge, but a criminal takes control of the island in order to eliminate Batman and Robin to making it look like an accident. Batman and Robin resourcefulness allows them not only to survive the required time, but also capture the infiltrated criminal who tried to kill them, which was Stephen Chase. In his only appearance. In his only appearance, yeah. <laughs> right. It's um, funny, it's not like an iconic issue or episode or anything, but this T-Rex has been featured in countless yeah. iterations of Batman. So basically, he just kept it, right? Yeah. <laughs> After... After fighting it, took it home with him. Curious how he got it into the Batcave without anybody noticing. <laughs> right, yeah. Let me go in this secret entrance. Giant life-size T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of sounds like the plot to Jurassic Park. <laughs> Except for not animatronics in the movie. Yeah, it was interesting. Oh, yeah, I want to make sure the validity of it. So can you please come and uh, check it out for mm-hmm. me? Okay, thanks. <laughs> who ripped off who? Well, this is in the 40s. So Yeah, when was Jurassic Park written? I don't know. That'd be a good thing to check out. Originally published November 20th, 1990. Oh, so yeah. That's weird that Michael Crichton wrote this in his later part of his years, but he has a book written in 1969. Yeah. yeah fascinating. But yeah, I guess uh, this came in 1990. <laughs> that would make sense. So... This ripped off Batman? I mean, I guess it's like a, a central theme. Hey, I made this. I'm curious now. Does it work? Right? Yeah. So that, Test that my works. security system type mm-hmm. deal. Test my park. Mm-hmm. All right, enough of that. Let's talk about... Beer. The beer, yeah. So there was Primordial. Not Primordial. Wow, that's the name that we we thought it should be <laughs> with the logo and everything. Primordial Brewing Company. Uh, but there's a uh, brewery named Primeval Brewery that opened up uh, two weekends ago. That was a Friday. Of, November 15th. Yeah, November 15th. So this is downtown Noblesville on Logan Street, essentially on the corner of 11th and Logan, or 10th and Logan, one of those two, uh, depending on which way you're coming from. It's in, right smack dab in the middle. Um, it's a prime location for me because it's pretty much a walk if I yeah. really wanted to. Uh, but they have a mug club membership. I didn't know about that. That would have been perfect. We'll see if I can find anything on the website. Okay. Uh, but first, um, I'll read the little blurb thing they got here. Prime Evil Brewing is a unique European-inspired craft brewery in planning located in this historic downtown district of Noblesville. Uh, not in planning anymore. It is actually open. Born from the vibrant home brewing community, our founders are inspired by the classic beer styles of Germany, Britain, and Belgium. We strive to bring our new vision to the central Indiana craft brewing scene by producing high-quality artisan examples of these styles with an open, inv- open inviting tap room inspired by classic German beer halls. So we were saying when we were looking at the menu, everything seems to be like English style or German style mm-hmm. and... I mean, that's the thing they're going to for, it, yeah. obviously, based on their little blurb on their website. They're doing that on purpose. So their hours are interesting. Um, just to jump in a little bit. They're open 4 p.m. to 11, I think, during the week. And then they open at noon 
on the weekends. Yeah, uh, so it's more of like or a, eleven, I guess eleven to whatever. Come in for dinner location, mm-hmm. family friendly, but like you have to be twenty one to sit at the bar, obviously. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like, I mean, um, I'm not going to be there sm- during the week <laughs> in a small town. It, it makes sense to be family friendly because mm-hmm. obviously that opens up a wider market. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit of history. Our tap room and brewing operations are located on the first floor of the 960 Logan Street, which is the part of the Noblesville Commercial Historic District. It was built in 1909 as part of the two buildings constructed by the Castor family and referred to as the Castor Block. Our building first housed Carl O'Hare's garage, uh, became a Maxwell Motor Cars dealership in 1912, and then a variety of hardware and machine shops. The space was most recently used in an art gallery with drywall, drop ceilings, and carpeting covering the historic features. We are re- redesign- We did redesign the space with the commitment to showcase the unique historic nature of this building. Their vision is primeval brewing, uh, embraces the history of our building and the unique experiences it can provide to our customers. Our taproom decor will, or do, draw inspirations from the beer halls of Germany with long open tables and an atmosphere that invites gatherings of old and new friends alike. We plan to have eight new, eight to nine taps dedicated to primeval beers along with multiple guest taps to satisfy those interested in mead, ciders, and other unique offerings. The taproom will also offer a selection of Indiana wines and craft distilled products. Hence the hotel tangle that we yes. saw. Yeah, I saw the whole cocktail menu. It's pretty good selection there. Yeah, uh, can't do everything. They were trying to. Someone's like, "Can you get a Shirley Temple here?" Like, the fuck, <laughs> you want a Shirley Temple for? While our primary business is beer, the experience in the tap room will offer many other aspects for the customer to enjoy. A small food menu will be offered with quality options, carefully selected to complement our beer menu. A variety of live entertainment which we haven't been to anything like that yet. We'll keep the fun going well into the evening hours. We hope to play an important role in making downtown Noblesville an entertainment destination for area residents. And then, I mean, their taproom menu is pretty good. They have like a, a braided pretzel that was... Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had, had that the first night when yeah, I went to... sandwich today. I did... Uh, the charcuterie board, um, $15 for it. There's a lot of like German-styled uh, sausages on it, some cheese and some weird stuff. Um, I don't know. But I did have the turkey Reuben today, which was good. Then they have a grilled cheese panini and then a jambo beret, which is basically the grilled cheese panini plus ham. <laughs> they have a soup of the day. Not sure what it is, but you get fresh bread with it. And they also have a kid's menu too. So they'll give you a PB&J sandwich with some chips or a mac and cheese. Yeah, I saw them give orange juice to some kids, so they mm-hmm. have family-friendly options for drinking, too. I do see it here about the Mug Club. Oh, good. It's uh, $75, but it's a lifetime oh, membership, so good. it's like one of those yearly purchases. You get the uh, half-liter dimpled mug and a dollar off your fills. You also get $2 off growler fills, dollar off holler fills, a free mug fill on your birthday. Complimentary t-shirt. 10% off merchandise. And two passes to exclusive beer tasting and educational events held by the owners, brewers, 
beer judges, all around beer geeks. Sounds perfect. Yeah. Sounds like something we need to uh, invest our time in. It's a pretty good deal. I like those lifetime memberships. Oh, yeah, I know. That's how my my, uh, books and brew one is lifetime. Mm -hmm. Paid once, we're good. If it's someplace you're going to plan on being once a week or a couple times a month, then Mm -hmm. it's definitely worth getting the dollar off every pint. Oh, yeah. It'll pay for itself, you know, eventually. Mm -hmm. And plus the free t-shirt. Those are usually like 20 bucks. Yeah, I'll take that for sure. I love their logo and... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind wearing that on a t-shirt. Yeah, I'm going to have to go and do that. I was thinking about it tonight, but got other things. Yeah, they didn't have any information. At, yeah, no. I just I, saw, we just saw some guy come and say, oh, I'm a Mug Club member. Yeah, Can we would zero or, idea what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, had, had they had information there, maybe I would have been drawn to yeah. actually do it before, but didn't have any, I had zero clue that that was a thing. <laughs> um, but that's good. Um, all right, we're going to take a minor break here. Uh, we're in the middle of actually brewing a beer, uh, which is inj- which is exciting. It's yeah. a mosaic single hop beer. We'll talk about that on a future yeah. Patreon probably episode. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll talk about it. But we're gonna we're the, the steeping's about done, so we'll take a break here, and then when we get back from the break, we will talk about the beers at there. The eight uh, beers, the five mm-hmm. mainstays, and three. Uh, rotatings we got descriptions on them and we'll try to come up with our usual uh, geek rating for them and then whatever we yeah. drank uh, while we were there i tried I, half of them you tried all of all them, of them yeah, over so. the course of a few times you've been there so we should be able to talk about them pretty well uh, so just uh, give us a moment you're really not going to notice but listen to this ad for us <laughs> yeah listen to this ad for us thank you while we get the next beer ready, I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkInGeekOut. You can also check out our show notes and other fun stuff on our website, DrinkInGeekOut.com. You can also email us any comments or suggestions at DrinkInGeekOut at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content. Find us there at patreon.com backslash drinkingeekout. And now, back to the show. All right, we are back. Better than ever. All right, so uh, that took a little bit longer than we were expecting uh, to get it to come to a boil after adding the malt. There's a lot of sediment there when we did the dry. Yeah, it was like a 30-minute wait waiting for it just to get back to boiling. All right. All right, so back to Primeval Brewing Company. All right, so I'm on their website, and we're looking at their core lineup. So this is available year-round. I believe these are the the five beers that are available. I hope there's the other five, uh, three on here. Uh, we can easily talk about that uh, later. But the first one on here is Welcome to Hellas. And you guessed it. It's a Hellas. <laughs> German-style lager um, or Germany style origin is from there. Uh, it is a hundred and eighty thousand IBUs. I don't even have them. I'm gonna pull that sheet up. Happy, yeah. I'll let you know. 18 is venom. All right, so on the let's see, we have uh 4.5% ABV and 18 IBUs, which is venom. Yes. On the list. The first appearance of Venom was in... Spider-Man 18? 18, yeah. Perfect. All right, so Welcome to Hell. This is a clean, gold-colored German lager with a smooth, malty flavor 
and dry, soft finish. Subtle hop flavors add a bit of complexity to the style while maintaining its appeal as a refreshing everyday drink. <laughs> Good on tap to see what you gave it since I haven't had it. Yeah, I'm rolling in here. So the first one I had, it was on the, uh, when we ordered the flight, it was, it was number one on the list, number one that we drank. Um, Allison gave it a four. She loved it. I gave it a 3.5. Um, it was just a hefe, in my opinion. It was just basically meh, I guess. Um, well, your two scores average out to the average because the average is 3.75. Yeah, it works out. 96 yeah. chickens. Not a ton of chickens, but they right. ju- literally just opened like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Two hours ago, Jeff J. He probably was there when we were there. I think so. Yeah, he said uh, he got the welcome to Hellas. Grainy, malt, clean, spicy, hop character, smooth, dry, fi- smooth mouthfeel, dry finish, nicely done. He gave it a 375. Sean C. gave it a 375. Said clean and crisp with a sweet finish. Uh, Sh- Stephen B. gave it a 3.25. Nothing, just pictures. Renata J. gave it a four. She must have loved it. Corey K. gave it a two and a half and said nice German lager. Apparently they don't like German lagers because if it's a nice German lager, I'd give it more than a two and a half, but whatever. Maybe his grade scale is a little bit, you know, different than ours. All right. Beer number two on the list was the Edelweiss. This is style of Hefeweizen, which Allison loved. Style origin Germany, of course. Coming in at ABV of 4.9%, and the IBUs are 11. 11 is obviously Ocean's 11. Ocean's 11, yeah. The good old Brad Pitt, George Clooney flick. Oh, and Matt Damon's there too, you know. Edelweiss is a pale, refreshing German wheat beer with a high carbonation, dry finish, a fluffy mouthfeel and distinctive banana and clove flavor. It is very approachable and easy drinking style that will appeal to a wide range of craft drinkers. Actually, I think I like this one. Overall, it's got 87 check-ins and it brings it to a 3.73 out of 5. Yeah, I gave it a 3.75. So right there with the average. Mm-hmm. Allison gave it a 4.5. Ooh. Much banana and clove, but delicious. She loves a half of ice. Yeah, Those they, are... they get a good banana flavor, usually. Mm-hmm. That one was really nice uh, with the banana flavor. Let's see if everyone else would have to do. Because uh, I guess when we were there, someone was asking about it, and he was talking about the banana and clove. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's pretty overpowering. Uh, Jack H. gave it a 2.5. Very banana and clove. Nice white head. Medium body. But I pooped on it. 2.5. <laughs> Um, Corey K, the same Corey that didn't like the Hellas, said probably the best Vs I've ever had. She gave it a four. Good for you. Um, Josh L with a three, Tanner with uh, no rating, Pat with a three, light but decent. Uh, Alan B says, Yeah, love the Heffy, plenty of banana notes. It is a four. So, just from the comments alone, people are digging this one more than they like the Hellas. Seems that way, yes. Maxwell's Euro IPA. So this is the beer that I had two of today and one yesterday. 
Um, it's I think their best beer on the menu right now. It is the International IPA or just International Pale Ale. They don't go with India, but whatever. Hybrid style of origin. Uh, ABV is 6.4%, which is nice, and 81 IBUs. Do we have an 81? Let's see. Nine squared. Oh, so it's a math one. <laughs> Very geeky. Nine squared. Should guess that one. Uh, if you guys don't know, nine times nine is, in fact, 81. 81. Maxwell Silver Hammer, or JK. Maxwell Euro IPA, named after the Maxwell Motor Cars dealership that opened in our tap room in 1912. I remember reading yep. that, yeah. I immediately thought of, yeah, absolutely. Thought of that when I uh, looked at it today. It was nice. Uh, is Primeval's unique take on a popular modern craft IPA. We combine a base of German Pilsner malts with our unique blend of hops, then ferment it with an English yeast strain to add a subtle complexity. The result is an uncommonly smooth IPA-style beer with pleasant malt sweetness and a bold tropical fruit flavor. Flute flavor. It's a flute flavor. (laughs) This one I have had. Mm -hmm. And we both agreed it was a four. Mm -hmm. The masses, so 99 check-ins, and averages to be a 3.75. My wife did not drink this, otherwise she would have given it a minus. Probably not very good score, because she's not an IPA fan. Not at all. Not even close. (laughs) So, with everyone above, Sean H., again, 375. Chuck T. gave it 375. Chris B. gave it a 4. I don't see a whole lot of comments. I have a comment. Oh. It's my comment. Ooh. I said, nice and sweet IPA with a bit... Of a bitter bite, so upfront flavor is nice. Trop, you get the tropical uh, West Coast style mm-hmm. uh, tropical notes, but then there's the 81 IBUs that kind of bites you in the mouth mm-hmm. and kind of lingers there a little bit, but it makes you want to go back for another swig to get some more of those sweet flavors. Yeah, it's 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 very appealing and it's quite a nice IPA. Yeah, I think it's one of their best ones right now. Can't mm-hmm. wait till the rotationals go through. Uh, but this one is right up the alley of a West Coasty style. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, um, you know, tropically and, you know, bitter and everything. And they don't use West Coast style hops. They use, I didn't specify, but they do a lot of English styled yeah. everything, which is pretty interesting. German Pilsner Mall and English yeast strain, mm-hmm. what you said. Mm-hmm. But then they have the uh, bold tropical fruit flavors, which is part of the West Coast style. Yeah, Joy G gave it a four, and she said, "Love the bubblegum flavor coming through. Good balance." Yeah, I noticed that too. Like on mm-hmm. the back end, you get a kind of a leftover bubblegum feel in your mouth. I didn't actually think about that until you know I read it, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh yeah, there's that that chalky but yet sweet mm-hmm. uh, kind of flavor with that." And so uh, Jeremy R says four and a half, a vibrant trio of British, German, American ingredients. It is fantastic. Yeah. So I'd have to, I'd have to, I think, agree with that one. It is uh, pretty, uh, pretty good. All right, beer number four on this would be Roach My World or Rouch, Rouch My World, Roach, 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 Roach? My World. So we're we're talking about marijuanas, <laughs> Roach My World, Roush beer. So it's Roush My World. I think it's Roush My World. Yeah, uh, or Rauk. People call it <laughs> Rauk because it's supposed to be Rock My World. So Rauk. 
rock my world i don't know someone you have to let us know how to pronounce that world word <laughs> we're not particularly um you know german so we don't really know uh but it is a rock beer a smoked lager as one of the things i don't like is a smoked beer yeah, it's overly yeah, smoked a lot of yeah smoke flavor yeah it's uh origins germany we have an ibu sorry we have our ABV is 5.3%, and we have uh, 24 IBUs. That's the Jack Bauer. The Jack Bauer of all trades <laughs> of the IBUs. Nerd reference. Smoke them if you got them. Rock beer, or rock my world, is a rich, multi German amber lager with beechwood smoky characters. Our version pays tribute to the traditional version still brewed in Bomberg, Germany, with an assertive smoked character that will please the most discerning smoked beer fans. This is another one that I had. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's 80 check-ins. The average is 3.66. And I gave it a three and a half, I remember. Yeah, I gave it a three and a half as well. And then Allison gave it a 3.25. She stated, better than other smoky beers, but still mostly smoke taste, not much beer taste. Mm -hmm. I thought the smoke was overwhelming. It it is a strong flavor. And I was like, you know, there's some flavor that I'm getting that I can't pick up on. And then I read through the description and I was like, oh, bacon. Because it's like Mm bacon-like flavor in the description. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And it's weird. I was unexpected. I didn't read the description when I ordered it until after I started drinking it. Mm-hmm. You're like, what is that? Yeah. What is this flavor I'm picking up on? And yeah, I think this would be up Keith's alley because he's into this more smoky beers. Yeah. I think it's interesting and unique, but it's not something I would go back to like ever again. It was like just a nice experience for the first time though. Yeah. Nice little part of your flight. I wouldn't get a full pint. Mm-mm. I would probably never get a full flame. Corey K says two words, bay con. That's one word still. You're just <laughs> adding an emphasis on the con. It's up there with Chinese food beer. She gave it a five. Chinese food beer? Yeah, we need to get some Chinese food beer, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like there's a whole lot of people just checking this in and not doing anything. Peter S says, wow. That's all he said was wow. Milford. There you go. Yeah, Milford H. Very nice. Tastes just like it smells. Smoky. And a four and a half. A bunch of more check-ins. Somebody gave it a five. And then the very next person said, Vokey. Smoky. Very smoky. And only gave it a one. So there's a huge dip. A one? That's... Yeah, you go from a one to a five. Different people, but back-to-back check-ins. All over the board. Yeah. Can't believe I'm saying this. A little too bacony for a beer. Good as a sample. Could imagine a full pint of it. Yeah, Mark that's, B. That's kind of what we're saying too. Yeah, you gave it a 2.75, which is weird because if it was good enough as a sample, I feel like you wouldn't. He's more judging it on a full pint than yeah. a sample. Then we got typically not smoky fan. This awesome, very bacony, and that's mm-hmm. from Jeremy, and he gave it a 4.25. Really wish I would have read the description. I maybe yeah. would have rated it a little bit better, knowing that it was supposed to be bacon. Because mm-hmm. I was kind of like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, because like I was about to check it in at like a three, and then I read the description. I was like, oh, okay, this is what they're going for. This is kind of what I 
it's what it notes, tastes like. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is what they're attempting to do, or at least the description fits the taste, so I can't fault it for that. Mm-hmm. But if you like smoky beers, I'd say go get it. Mm-hmm. Me, personally, I'm not a fan. We'll probably never get it again. Nah. Unless they do something like maple bacon, mm-hmm. like have a maple flavor, like jazz it up with some other flavor. Yeah. Okay, so then the last of their core beers is the Sacred Seduction. It is an English porter. Style is England. <laughs> Coming in at 5.7% ABVs and 22 IBUs. 22 Jump Street. 22 Jump Street. Sacred Seduction is our core offering for fans of darker beer. The English version of this well-known porter style style. Features <laughs> luscious toasted caramel and chocolate malt flavors with subtle fruitiness from a traditional English yeast strain. This easy drinking version is perfect for raising a few pints with friends at your local watering hole. I would have to agree. Uh, me too. They've got on untap 84 check-ins, average 3.8 out of 5. Mm-hmm. And our friends... At least the two of my friends plus me checking. I guess <laughs> me doesn't count. My friend's checking is at 388. Same. Good. Because we gave it the same. <laughs> we gave it a four. Yeah, we gave it a four. Imagine that. Allison didn't write anything, but she gave it a 375. She likes porters. She started starting to like porters. She just wasn't a fan. I don't know. Why. But I liked it. I gave it a four. Yeah, I didn't write anything either, but I thought it was a sweet flavor and a pretty good effort yeah. as a porter. I thought it was, yeah, really solid. No complaints. Let's see, what do we have for... It's just nothing special. That's why it's not a five. Yeah. It's, it, it hits the mark, but it doesn't go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're into English porters, I think my friend Ravi would be a fan of this because he likes those London porters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem like a whole lot of people are writing things. Uh, Jacob F. gave it a five. Jeff said, love this beer. It's all a porter should be and gave it a 4.25. Corey K said, decent porter. Caramel! Same Corey as before? Yeah. She said she spelled caramel as in the city, not the caramel. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're close to caramel. Yeah, I guess it works. I'm going to send her a friend request. (laughs) She's she's checked everything in so far. All these beers. Must be a local. Must be a local. No need to not connect with a local. Uh, Hefe, love this beer. You said that one, didn't you? I don't think so. Yeah, love this beer. It's all the porter should be, 425. Oh, yes, Jeff. Yeah. Tim B, nice toasty flavor, good new offering, 3.5. Yeah, seen a lot of fives, seen a lot of four and a halves. So three and a half, two and a half, <laughs> like it's all over the place. Yeah. But it seems like a lot of them are like fours. Chocolate multi four. Michael O says usually would never rate a porter this high, but this is a surprisingly smooth. I gave it a three and a half. So apparently this person does not like porters. Yeah, but he, what it seems. he's taking it out on porters. <laughs> right. Like why are you rating them at all if you don't like them? All right, well, that's it for the course. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. We're talking about Patreon, and we're going to get to their rotationals, their three. And hopefully we get more rotationals coming forward. Yeah, but, I'm sure. They, they're new, so they only mm-hmm. got a few. Season. Every season they'll probably have a few more. Yeah, so can't wait for that. So just be right back. Uh, enjoy the Patreon spiel by whomever says it, and then we'll be right back to finish up with the final three beers at Primeval. Do you like what Drinking Geek Out is providing? Do you want more? 
Do you like video games, Game of Thrones, comedies like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec, and The Office? Well, so do we. However, sometimes these things just don't fit in with our current show format, but we still want to provide this to you. Just to provide you with an update, we do have five tiers on our Patreon with all nerdy stuff to provide you. You could become a super geek and receive a bonus episode every month. You'd become a mega geek, and we could pick a topic for a future show. You could become an uber geek, and we can do a show tailored around you. The perks go on and on, and will continue to grow. So go on down to patreon.com slash drinkingeekout for more information. And now, back to the show. Alright, welcome back. Alright, so the first of their seasonal specialty beers is the Lazy Days. This is a Euro Cream Ale. Style's origin is hybrid. 5.4% ABV and 18 IBUs. If you remember correctly, that was Venom. Venom. Ba-ba-ba-bum. We just had that. <laughs> Lazy Days is a pale colored ale that is light and refreshing with a low cracker like malt profile and a flowery herbal hop note. We add a subtle twist to this American style by using German hops and a traditional English strain yeast. Imagine that. <laughs> I think Lazy Days is somebody else's. Like somebody else has that name, but I can't think of the brewery somewhere in Indiana. That's uh, Brewing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, not too far from here. Um, so sixty-six check-ins with a three-point-six-two average. I did not have this one, so I can't go into any more detail than that. Yep, I did. All right, so my wife gave it a three and a half. I gave it a 375. That was pretty good for your typical uh, cream ale. So this would be like the beer that we'd give our parents mm-hmm. whenever they come and visit. Well, not my dad, but like my in-laws would be like the type that would want this. It's it's up in the the, the range of, you know, just your light style. Like the sunlight cream mm-hmm. ale. Yeah, Sun King. Yeah. From Sun King, mm-hmm. yeah. So... I think it's uh, it's up in that area. Uh, judging by everything, people are three and a half, three twenty five. Yeah, a three. Craig and I check it out this new brewery. I don't know who Craig is, but Bill B says <laughs> him and Craig. Mark B says light and creamy, very good. Three and a half. Just a lot of no comments on this. Yum, Courtney. She probably likes Bud Light. <laughs> Oh, this taste has a little bit more flavor than a Bud Light, so it's very good. <laughs> right. She likes it, Bud Light, mm-hmm. light creamy. So, yeah, it's, it's it's essentially your, I wouldn't say, like, necessary beer, but honestly, like, most people are going to want these style of beers when you're in a town that's not known for, yeah. like, craft beers. That way you can kind of shelter in, you know, some people who wouldn't be otherwise familiar with this style. You always have to have offer an IPA for the craft beer hand, uh, heads, and then you offer just a random light plain beer for their parents. Mm-hmm. Just have to. It's one of the one of the unwritten rules. Yep. Eruption, and no, not the Van Halen song. <laughs> this is a British brown ale from England. Five point seven percent ABVs and twenty eight IBUs. 28 Days Later. I didn't see that film. I've seen that one. I did not see the sequel. 
I own it. I just have not watched it. Hmm. I like the first one, though. Yeah. It's good. I've not seen it. I wouldn't know. Eruption is a smooth brown ale with a moderate caramel malt characters, notes of toffee and chocolate, and a balanced floral hop character. The traditional English yeast strains add a subtle fruitiness to the finish. A great choice for fans of flavorful but easy drinking ales. 87 check-ins with a 3.78 average. My friends say 3.88. This one I gave a 4. Uh, I also gave it a 4. And I said it was a well-balanced brown ale. My wife gave it a 3.75 and she was lazy just like me and didn't write anything. Normally I do that, but I knew we were going to talk about it, so I figured I'd write something. Yeah. Uh, Chuck T says it's close to Wemax, so that's a lot of praise. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't say that, but yeah, so it's a good brown ale, but I don't think it's a Scottish ale. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's definitely not Scottish ale. It's, I mean, it's up there in quality, just like their sunlight yeah. versus mm-hmm. this uh, Lazy Days, but I don't know. 325, 325, 4. Uh, coffee balances out the caramel nicely to make a less than sweet and less sweet than a normal brown ale. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> brown ales aren't particularly known for being super sweet, right? I don't think so. So it's sweeter than a normal brown ale, but, bale, but it's not super sweet. <laughs> I think is what he's trying to go with. Maybe. I don't know. I'm thinking of a porter or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Evan M says basic brown ale, but well done. 3.75. Alan B says a little watery, but decent brown. Three and a half. I didn't get that. I, I, didn't, was, I didn't think it was watery at all. Nice mouthfeel. Jeremy R. says, well done, brown hell. Give it a four. Basically, that's it. Yeah, not see a bunch of, Yeah, just a bunch of other things. And then the other one that my wife thought was the her favorite, Ooh. which was the Titus. This is a pale Weizenbach. It has 7% ABVs. That's up there. Yeah, 23 IBUs, which is... Um, the number 23. The number 23. I have no idea what the reference is. It's a movie starring Jim Carrey. Oh, still no reference. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> he sees the number 23 everywhere and it starts to make him crazy. Oh, insane. But okay. Mm-hmm. Titus is the big brother to our Edelweiss wheat beer, a pale version of a strong multi Weizenbach style. Titus delivers the characteristics of a German wheat beer with increased flavor and body. This one is lovely sipper that pairs well with a cool Indiana day. Yeah, being 7%, I would say it's a sipper. Not, I would take my time with it. Yeah, for sure. It's almost a double. Yeah, my wife went crazy on this one. <laughs> she gave it a four and a half. Wow. She doesn't do that a lot. I gave it a 375. So it was quite a different range yeah, of uh, opinions like here. Yeah, it's just, it is what it is. Um, she likes those darker Belgian style beers. So it makes sense. Um, cool new brewery. Thanks, Chuck T. That had nothing to do with the beer. I think I found Bill's friend, Craig. Oh, did you? <laughs> he said, even though I'm not a fan of this style, they did a good job on it and gave it a 3.75. Uh, Ron F. says, better than the Edelweiss, fuller body. He gave it a 325. I feel like Craig has a better grasp of what's going on. 
So this might, must be opening night. I think so. There's it's busy in there according to Bill's picture. Mm-hmm. He gave it a four. He says trim styles, well done. Mm-hmm. Everyone's basically saying well done. Yeah. Alan says uh, this is the best uh, tasting beer, and he spelled it the German style. Nice. I'll have this again. Good for you. Yeah, this is a popular one. Maybe I should have got it. Yeah, I mean, I could have uh, offered you up. Uh, hey, you should get this. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I'm happy with the, your choices. I mean, yeah, I thought all mine were pretty good. Yeah, it works. Go back to try the other four that I didn't have, but mm-hmm. for the first time being there, I think I had a pretty good selection, and they offered a, a nice selection of different styles and flavors. Mm-hmm. What we didn't mention is the logo. I oh, mean, we yeah. mentioned it, but we didn't talk about it. There you go. It is a, I don't know, a raptor. Yeah, it looks like a raptor. I would say. Holding a... Well, I guess it's the skeleton of a raptor. Holding a barrel. I assume beer was in that barrel or is in that barrel. Mm-hmm. He's guarding it for himself. <laughs> and it brings about uh, Jurassic Park vibes. Mm-hmm. And then it's like in a circle of wheat. So that that's how you get the beer symbolism there. Yeah. A very cool label. I like it. Nostalgia for Jurassic Park, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's what they're going for, because otherwise they would use the living dinosaur and not skeleton bones. Yeah, we'd already done Jurassic Park, otherwise we would. Yeah, it would be perfect. Mm-hmm. But we ended up learning a little bit about bat, the Bat Cave, or the Bats Cave. The Bats Cave, that's for sure. So, all right. Well, that was a good time. I plan on going there. Plan on getting the Mug Club. Yeah, it seems worth it. I mean, mug clubs always seem worth it, especially if you're going to be there. And you're being this close and only having a few options really for beer in this area. It's mm-hmm. smart to take advantage of the clubs you have going on. Yeah, I want to be a regular there. I want them to know me. <laughs> seems like the guys there want to. Yeah, they, they were nice. We talked. We sat at the bar and talked to the two guys, and they were friendly, and they seemed to have remembered you from being there yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> day away. Hopefully, it can pick up and uh, continue on. But overall, I think that was pretty good. Yeah, it's a nice, clean place, and I like the like picnic uh, table mm-hmm. style that they have. The old German atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nice. So, and you can walk in. It's just one big open room. You can see all the brew kettles and mm-hmm. fermenters and all that in the back, and just like. Uh, I don't know, experience it all in one one look. You get the whole experience. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So, all right. So, for that should be it, right? We got all yeah. the beers, the logos, how lovely it is, <laughs> the T Rex and the giant coin kind of discussion. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah. Race us here at the Southern ish studios. <laughs> <laughs> Drink uh, up and geek out.